1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: Connecting to the Big Show.
3: In
4: three, two, one. I felt intimidated in the workplace.
2: I wouldn't want to do that. Like, I'm not out there to
4: upset anybody. We have a finite amount of time. We really are meant to make a difference to other humans' lives. As
3: far as the council are concerned, well, you own a property, so you can't get emergency accommodation, but I can't get into it. Join the conversation! Call 0818 969696. 96 96. Extra WhatsApp
2: 083 396 9696.
3: Email opinion at 96FM.
2: This is The Opinion mine with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM.
5: Thank you straight off for a lovely note. Marie Piper Cregan was on to me. We chatted with her last week about the truck run they had, the big run they had, at the Christmas run for the Cork City Missing Persons Search and Recovery. And I'd forgotten all about it until Sunday evening when the wife called me out to the front door and she said, what is that sound? And it was all the horns and the bells and the whistles going on. They had a marvelous, marvelous evening on their Christmas run, and they raised over two thousand euro for Cork City Missing Persons Search and Recovery. So well done to everybody who was involved in that. Uh, that's uh, Marie from the Douglas Post Community Magazine. More 96 96 oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six the number, the text to WhatsApp oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six, and the email opinion at ninety six M Dot ie Our friends with the Everyman back with us today for another Panto giveaway. I'll tell you more in a while. Just think about, think about for me the time you made a hames of the Christmas dinner. A time, some time something went horribly wrong. Like you, you discovered at one o'clock that you hadn't roasted the potatoes that were still raw in the pot or something like that. I'll tell you about our one and it happened only a few years ago and it was, oh my god, sure we ended up having the dinner at 7 in the evening, for the same thing but there you go, so that's what you think about for me this morning, more details in a while but first of all, this Wednesday morning um, I, I hear that schools and creches and other such places are sending notes home now to parents that RSV is rampant, it's a nasty little bug it can make you rightly sick It's put quite a number of children in hospital over the last few weeks It's the one that has us pleading Nana, please don't kiss the baby please, I know you want, but please, please don't kiss the baby uh, Because RSV is rampant in the community at the moment And uh, Dr. John Sheehan joins me from Blackpool Bridge Surgery John, it, it's a nasty little thing Is it? Is it something that could be potentially lethal? Good morning
6: Good morning, PJ. Um, yes, unfortunately, you, you can get very sick with it. And um, this time of year, PJ, there's always bugs floating around. But I suppose we, um, we have three different kind of bugs that are mainly floating around at the moment. COVID is bubbling along under the surface. There's no big, big, there hasn't been a big increase in it. But as there's more so- social gatherings and mixing, there, there's probably going to be a small increase in that. Then we have the, the flu, which always comes this time of year, and that's beginning to um, to increase. And Australia, which gets the flu before us, has certainly had a, a, a busier season this year than, than, than most years. And then RSV, which is respiratory syncytial virus, mm. um, that has increased significantly this year. And it tends to affect younger children, usually under two. But the difficulty is the very small babies, the under six months they, they get really affected by it. It can affect all ages and, and, and the elderly as well, but it's the smallies who are really affected by it because uh, their lungs get just just clogged up, their mm. noses get clogged up, they can't uh, breathe properly, they can't feed properly, and that's the difficulty with it.
5: A lot of them end up in hospital.
6: They, they certainly do. I was on South Dock last week, and we got a message from the Mercy uh, to say that their P's ward was full that that evening, um, and it was mainly RSV. And and usually the reason people, children uh, have to be admitted for it. Is that they have difficulty feeding, or they may need oxygen support because they their their lungs are just are, are are just quite full up with it. So there's no treatment really for for most people with RSV. It's 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 really just symptoms. And for most people, PJ, most children who get it, or most adults who get it they're going to be, it's a bit like the flu, they're going to be miserable for a few days, they're going to you know, maybe not eat or feed as well, they may need to calpal, they may need to be sort of, you know, nursed, they might be more comfortable sitting upright, but they'll get over it. Mm. But the difficulty is when they're very small, is that they find it very hard to feed when they're all blocked up and their lungs, because they're smaller, they find it harder to breathe and they're the ones who, who, who can become quite mm. unwell and they're the ones who really need to be seen.
5: Can it spread through the house, John? And is it dangerous if you have, say, an adult in the house who's immunocompromised?
6: It certainly can spread through the house. So if we think of uh, of COVID and all the things we did for COVID if we think of what we do for the flu the same principles apply for RSV it's, it's been sensible, it's hand washing, it's not been too close and that's really why the warnings about elderly people and kissing babies, I know it sounds a bit dramatic particularly at Christmas time, but really it's just about being, being practical and being cautious um, and, you know, about, about things, so it certainly can spread through the house, but the, the big difference PJ is if I get it or if you get it or if an, uh, another adult gets it, usually they're, they're a bit sick and they're a bit sorry for themselves but they're not they're not sick sick uh, you know if i use that term yeah. it's the small babies and, and and people who are immunocompromised who can get very sick with it
5: how long is it contagious for
6: it it's it, it does tend to hang around for quite a while unfortunately so if people get it they usually get it for about 10 days two weeks so it does hang around longer than a lot of what we're used to mm-hmm. a lot of the bugs and it can stay contagious for, for that period of time so the difficulty is of course when it goes into a crash or a school as uh, as happens this time of year it does tend to spread around and it does tend to hang around for quite a quite a long period of time
5: the, so the cough can last a while can it John because we get, we get people, Oh people certainly can and yeah
6: yeah, I, I, and you get this, what's called a post-viral cough, PJ, which can hang around for weeks. So, that, you know, and, and we're all very conscious of, of coughing now, particularly when we're, we're with groups. But that, that's, you know, can, can hang around for three or four weeks after it. And the, people can generally feel OK otherwise, but they're just cough, cough, coughing the whole mm-hmm. time, you know. So um, the good news with it, PJ, though, is that the European Medicines Agency have recently approved a vaccine for it. Now, it won't be there for this year, but okay. hopefully in the next year or two that that should be coming on board. So that should certainly help things a bit like the flu vaccine has really made a big difference. And it's not too late to get the flu vaccine. So I'd encourage people to get that, particularly children as well.
5: Where did this surge come from, John? Because correctly, if, correct me if I'm wrong, and <clears throat> possibly I am, I don't ever remember hearing about RSV before COVID.
6: It, no, it was always around, and and as long as I can remember, um, small, particularly small babies, they, um, they 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 were affected by it. The difficulty since COVID, Pj, is a, a lot of small uh, uh, children, babies, they they weren't exposed to it over a number of years mm-hmm. because of COVID and isolation and things. So now we're kind of getting a bit of a double whammy of these because people's immunity to it isn't very well developed so mm-hmm. now we're getting uh, much more than we would of previous years it's so, it fair to, be, to
5: say maybe we, that all the social distancing we did with the best will in the world in 20 and 2021 while it served its own purpose at the time maybe it created this and that now this thing is, is is ripping through yeah
6: so so there is a bit of a payback w- 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 in terms of developing people's immune system and um, like the average child under two pj generally gets about 21 infections a year. So that might be a tummy bugs, might be colds, might be RSV. So that would be have typically been the case. So if you can imagine during COVID, that number went way down, so you know, because people weren't mixing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there is a little bit of a payback in terms of immune systems developing. But RSV was always around, and it tends to peak around this time of year, every year, unfortunately.
5: You mentioned that you're busy with South Dock at the moment, and that the Mercy has had... Uh busy time in its um, in its children's ward, for example. Are the hospitals under pressure in general, John? They, they certainly
6: are. I mean, we have the the highest life expectancy in the EU now, PJ, which we, is great and our population has increased. We do. And, and and to be honest with you, I had to go look it up because I didn't really believe it. Um, you know, we always think of the Scandinavians and all of the, the, those areas, but actually we have the highest life expectancy now. And our life expectancy now, to put it in context in we're five years higher than Scotland and we 're two years higher than England forty years ago p j our life expectancy were a year ha- um, Ahead of Scotland, and we're two years behind England. So that shows the change that happened
5: in Ireland. What, in the what, what are the numbers? Years. I'm interested in this. What, what, what is our life expectancy now in Ireland, John?
6: Our life expectancy, off the top of my head, I think it's about 83, 84 for female, and 79, 80 for males. Right. Males tend yeah. to die uh, younger. So, 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 you know, and if you think about it, PJ, when, when I was younger, when someone was 65 and retiring and things like that, they were almost regarded as elderly. Now, you know, you have people in their 70s working away in their 80s. They might be going on holidays. They'll be very active. They're a really strong part of our community. It, it really is fantastic. But that brings challenges. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of our hospital systems, you know, it, it, the more elderly we have, which is great, but they're got some are going to get sick. Some are going to break their hips. And that puts a big challenge uh, into our health service. And, and that, that is going to be a challenge over the next 10, 20 years.
5: No That's is, but... y- you mentioned that you do your shift on South Dock, as do any more GPs and fair play to you for it, we're we're grateful for it but under how much pressure will South Dock be over the next week and a half, given that so many people can't get themselves onto a GP's books these days, I'd say South Dock will be under a lot of pressure
6: it certainly is very busy there's no two ways about it i mean we had six doctors on 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 call the other night when i was on um 10% of the irish population don't have a gp at the moment pj so if you don't have a gp you tend to go to south doc for your needs which is which is fine for your acute needs but for your long term needs isn't is, isn't good so that is um that is a big challenge um, and how to cope with that that demand is going to be a challenge and we're probably going to have to look as a health service, uh, uh, trying to do things differently. And, you know, and, and and you're familiar with this and trying to come up with alternatives from the everything going into the ED department, you mm. know, which really can cope with that. In our own area, PJ, since the last census, um, in the last 10 years, the number of over 80s has gone up 126%, which is fantastic. But that's going to, you know, have a big impact in terms of services and health services and things like that, you know. so um, So there's very good news but it's a challenge and how we deal with it in the, going
5: into the future. Come back to me lastly to where we started with RSV. It is rampant. Um, and we, we just, a former colleague, myself and Emers was just saying the last couple of days, it's, it's gone through the house and they're all, they're, they're all shattered from it. How can we keep it out of the house? Or how can, if it gets in at all, can we, can we lessen its impact?
6: We we certainly can. So there's a number of things that people can do. And if we think back to when COVID was here or the flu was bad, it's the same principles. Um, mask wearing if someone has, uh, if someone is coughing an awful lot helps reduce down the spread of transmission hand, uh, hand hygiene is really important not you know if they're sitting on the couch that everyone isn't sitting all together that they're maybe spread out in a small bit of distance between them um, it's just being aware of those sort of infection control sort of measures they sound simple if say, people are in the car together maybe someone in the back seat rather than someone in the, both of you in the front seat that sort of thing so they're small things but those small distances can make a difference in terms mm-hmm. Reducing down the transmission
5: and, uh, and discourage Nana from kissing the baby. I know I, it, it's, it, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's it's yes,
6: unfortunately. Yeah, it's just not, you know, if everyone gets sick, it's not really worth it over Christmas,
5: John. To you and, and all in your practice and all connected to you, a uh, happy Christmas and a great year in 2024. Thank you very much, Dr. John Sheehan. RSV rampant at the moment. That's good news, though. Vaccine on the way and hopefully be here by this time next year. But there's a thing now, and look, in fairness. It was people like John and others, Nick Flynn did too, and others said during all of the safety precautions we had with COVID, Christmas 2020, remember a write-off? Christmas 2021 wasn't much better. We were doing this and we were doing that. We were staying apart. We were washing our hands. We were covering our faces. doing all these things. Doing all these things for our own good at the time with the best will in the world. This is what happens afterwards, though, because the children's immune system, normal immune system, children have didn't build up. Now it's building up faster than it was ever intended to. There's a statistic though I wouldn't have thought that the average kid in the first two to two and a half years of their life will get 21 different infections. That's how their immune system is built up. Thank you, John. 0818 96 96. 96. Our friends with the everyman back with us today having great fun with this all week. Beauty and the Beast, Great Panto, running until Sunday, 14th of January. And today, we're sending you to a matinee performance on Friday, 29th December. It's the one thirty matinee. But before that, we will send you to brunch at Greenwich Cafe in Caroline Street. Two families will treat you to the panto and we will treat you to brunch on the 29th of January at... Half past one is the performance, and you'll go to Greenwich before that. We man- want you to work for it, though, like we do. We've had great fun with this the last couple of days. Today, your Christmas dinner disaster stories. i give you our one to start. So we go every Christmas to... It tends to rotate between my brother and my sister. We go over. Everyone meets at one or other house for the few drinks on Christmas morning and the little bit of chat and catch up and a couple of hours well spent and well enjoyed and then we all go back to our own place for the dinner of course a couple of years ago we went over I can't remember whose house it was but we all toddled over and thought we're here grand and early now that's great we'll have the few beers and we'll have the chat and we'll have the the few snacks and the nibbles and then we'll all get a cab home and we'll have the dinner and the turkey will be ready in the oven when we get home got in the front door at whatever time that day it was, I can't remember now, and there was no smell. There was a smell of ham, all right, but there was no smell of turkey. We had forgotten to turn on the oven under the effing turkey. So lunch was a ham sandwich, and the Christmas dinner was had at 7 o'clock, but sure, we had fun all the same. Can you beat that one for me? Your Christmas dinner disaster. Text it to me at 83 396 96. 96. 83 396 96 96. The Christmas dinner disaster movie. And the two best of the day. We'll send you to the Panto on the 29th of December, the matinee performance. And we'll send you to brunch before that at Greenwich... Café, but thanks to our friends at the Everyman Panto, Beauty and the Beast.
3: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. Merry Christmas. With your local mace. Great value deals for family and friends this Christmas. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Big, big, big. Show, show, show. radio. radio, radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Anne wants to give everyone the home that Cork gave her. She's leaving a gift in her will to Cork Simon. Find out more at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96 FM.
5: Remember I was talking to Jane yesterday, lovely Jane, who lives in McCroom and has an online business as an English teacher and met a man in the bakery and was very taken by him and they exchanged phone numbers and she had heard nothing since. Yeah, we have news. I'll bring it to you later. There, there is news. A lot of people are, is there any news about Jane? There's news. There's news. Later though, later. 0818 96 96, 96. Now, David Edwards was on a routine trip home to Wales, uh, using the fantastic Cork-Bristol flight, which is a really busy service, and they brought it back there, we were talking about that earlier in the year, fantastic service to see it back, the Cork-Bristol, to Bristol Cork flight, operated by, by Aer Lingus, but uh, David, David, you were over recently, and getting, it's about an hour back usually, but it turned into a a bit of a trek during Storm Fergus, didn't it, good morning,
7: Good morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a strange one because I'd um, I'd been in Cardiff visiting uh, visiting my mum before Christmas and brothers and sisters and stuff, and got the flight back from Bristol. We knew it was going to be very windy because uh, I was looking at the wind app and uh, mm. thinking might might be a bit iffy and might need to get diverted. We didn't even really get too close to Cork. The the pilot um, came on and said it's actually looking so bad that we're we're not even going to try and approach. So um, they said we may be able to get into Dublin, um, but um, we, we started approaching Dublin. Uh, as soon as we started dropping altitude, But the, uh, the weather was was absolutely shocking. Mm-hmm. There were total sort of whiteouts and blizzards as we were dropping down.
5: This is Storm uh, Fergus, of course, was ongoing
7: at the time. Yeah, yeah, and it it, it was obvious fairly fairly soon that we weren't we weren't going to get in there either. Um, it's very small plane as well, really coming from coming from Bristol, so it was getting thrown around a lot more.
5: Kind of um, been too pleasant on board, was it? It wasn't
7: wasn't the greatest, that's for sure. There were one or two people, uh <laughs> you say slightly concerned. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he kind of only got down to probably, was, I'd say, a little less than 2,000 feet and, and pulled up. So um, yeah, that got people a bit twitchier again when we were climbing. There wasn't too much screaming. Well, actually, there seriously was more praying than screaming. Um, we, we, we then sort of had an announcement saying, "Look, we're, we're going to try for Belfast next." We got to Belfast; it was absolutely fine. It was it was chucking down the rain, but um, it was absolutely fine otherwise. And um, we were told there, there were there were coaches that were organised for us, Um there'd be a little while turning up, but just waiting the. Uh, uh, the lounge there, and uh, they'll be along. But we didn't get any real communication after that. So a couple of people rang Aer Lingus, and they they did say, in fairness, you know, if, if anyone wanted to make their own way back with cabs or hire cars or whatever, then just keep uh, keep the receipts or anything, and and claim it back. Uh, most people waited. Some people took hire cars, but then after two hours, we got told that they couldn't get any coaches. So, fairness Erlingus organised um, a, a bunch of uh, cabs and themselves, and we thought we were going to have to pay for them. In fact, we were working out we were just grouping together mm-hmm. to get into the cabs. We were working out, you know, could we pay by cash or cards? Uh, it wasn't until we pretty much reached Cork that uh, then the driver said, "No, no, actually, Erlingus are going to sort us direct." So all we had to do was find a reasonable tip for him, but. Uh, it wasn't wasn't how the day intended going, but uh, like I say, at least everyone got down safely, and that was the important thing.
5: Cab driver must have felt all his birthdays were coming together. Your fare ah, was, what, yeah. 660 yo-yos. Now, admittedly, he had yeah. to drive back, but that was a handy yeah. night's work, Rick.
7: Yeah, it was. I was, telling, I was talking to him, and he, I said, this is this hell of a drive for you as well, you know, all the way down and all the way back, albeit the roads were quiet, which was something. But he said, uh, "He said this is nothing he said. I, I once did a 2,000-kilometre drive without sleep. <laughs> that, that was uh, from, I think, Moscow to Budapest, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a good drive there enough. He stuck with the, the speed limit, and we were all having, you know, a good crack. Uh,
5: how long did ours, the drive about, take him?
7: Say about four and a half hours, because the roads were so quiet, you know, even, even Dublin, there was nothing there at all.
5: What brings a Cardiff man to live in lovely West Cork?
7: Well... I used to come back and forth fishing here, um, just for sort of holidays and stuff. And and that was about 11 years ago. I just thought, you know what, back and forth so often, I might as well move there and live there. And I I told guys in work, I was actually, I'm gonna finish work and go and set up a charter business over here. And I did. Um, Yeah, it's it's just, even when the weather's crap, it's such a lovely place. Yeah. you know, it's cliche, but the people, they gen- really are really are great. Um, you want thick skin, and you've got, you have to give it as well as take it. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's all part of it. It's Brilliant, and and, and the fishing itself is great.
5: Your family here as well, David. Have you have your wife, wife and family yeah. with
7: you? Yeah, just the wife and uh, dogs.
5: Dogs, dogs. <laughs> that's, that's family. Yeah. How how did your yeah. wife take it when she discovered you were getting a taxi down from, <laughs> from Belfast? <Belvoir? laughs>
7: I think there was a, there was a bit of a surprise, I think, <laughs> but I think I, I think it was it's like everyone else was just pleased that we'd got down because Cork showed it flight as being um, cancelled after it had taken off. So people were then thinking there's something happened to the plane. As we attempted to land in Dublin, a lot of people were actually texting because we were close enough to ground. I know they shouldn't obviously, but they were texting people just to let them know, you know, they were okay, you know, they, they were moving on again now to, to Belfast.
5: I'm all right, love. Thanks for the God. but I'm in Belfast. <laughs> yeah, Belfast, yeah.
7: <laughs> it's, it's a long time since I've been there. I'm, and, I'm just and, getting and, a cab and... now. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It was, it was funny. One of the local uh, cab drivers uh, in Clark Guilty there, I messaged him saying he'd love this fare. He said, hang on there. He said, I'll, 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 nip, I'll nip up there. Said, I'm sure. And he quoted 900 euros and he said that was mates' rates. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Listen, David. <laughs> great talking to you. And uh, yeah, like fact, to you, it's yeah. always a good transport story. I mean, yes, it was a difficult flight home, but you didn't even have to put your hand in your pocket for the cab, which was a good one.
7: No, no, exactly. And you know, for a flight to the communication could have been better at the airport. know. but in the end, you know, they looked after everybody, got us all back. And uh, for them, so I can't really fault them on
5: that. You can't. Good talking yeah. to you, David. Have Thanks. a good Christmas well, down there in West. Yeah, you, you too. You too. Cheers for Cheers, David. Uh yeah. yeah. That's some taxi, though. 660 euro. If you had to cover it yourself, of course. Which, to be fair, Erling has covered it. and They didn't even have to pay the driver and claim it back, which is nice. Oh, eight one eight ninety six 96 96. All right. I think Jerry's one of the first off the mark with our Christmas dinner disaster stories. PJ, we were already one Christmas morning. Children up at five o'clock. So excited to see what Santa had brought I went in to get the turkey ready, and there it was, and it's stinking. It had turned rotten. Oh, God! Must say the neighbours were great. They brought us in slices of their turkey to save the day. But the smell in the fridge lasted ages. Be very careful now buying the turkey. Memory stays with me still. Happy Christmas to everyone. That's from Jerrin Cove. Yeah, that's the problem. You need to get your turkey in good time and keep it cool because the fresh turkeys they'll turn on a dime they will literally turn on a dime and you go to bed and there's a lovely turkey poking out of the fridge looking at you ready to be cooked in the morning and then you open the door and there's this stinking mess and it has turned overnight God help you but good for the neighbours Good for the neighbours. They brought in slices of turkey. <laughs> Can you see the neighbours coming over the garden wall with slices of turkey? Here you are, love. Happy Christmas. What? Two more for small mothlin'? No problem at all. No problem at all. We have a fine big turkey inside here. 0818 96 96 96. More stories like that. Your Christmas dinner disasters for today's Everyman giveaway. Step into Christmas. Of course 96. Want to hear that? And loads more Seasonal tunes, pop over to the app, the Cork's 96 FM app, and pick up on Cork's 96mas. It's our exclusive online festive station. All those hits, uh, non-stop, brought to you by Desi's Tires. Open seven days with late evenings in Blackpool. they Little Island, Carrigaline, and Vickers Road. Desi's Desi'sTires.ie, uh, supporting Cork's 96 FM. Only 0818 96 96 96. Well, this could be fun your Christmas Day disasters. They are piling in. PJ says, Jill, we forgot to take the meat out of the freezer one year. <laughs> so it was a fry-up for Christmas dinner. And it was the best we ever had. We still talk about it, yeah. I know, turkey... Di- We've another turkey disaster, I must tell you that at some stage. Wayne Hilton. Wayne
3: Hilton. The weekend. On Cork's
5: 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question.
3: There's the latest celebrity gossip. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors. For the Volkswagen ID buzz. Fully electric, fully connected, and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie
2: On Cork's (laughs) 96FM.
3: Join the conversation. Sure. Email opinion
2: at 96fm.ie This is The Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. 96
8: FM
5: We are all looking forward to Christmas and counting down the days and looking forward to the, the break and, and the few days off and all of that. But in 364 houses, uh, it won't be such a good Christmas. I speak of the 364 houses where redundancy is looming. Redundancy from VMware and most of those jobs based in Balancholic. Tech sector is a tough place to work at the moment. During COVID there was thousands and thousands of people taken on and now that COVID is in the rear view mirror thankfully and we're not using so much tech anymore a lot of these jobs have become surplus to requirements unfortunately and it's a bit bit hairy out there right now but VMware was was considered one of those places that was rock solid because it was in the cloud, of cloud space and cloud IT, which is a growing sector. Still, I would have thought. Mick Barry, uh, people before profit solidarity TD brought this up in the doll yesterday after this news broke. It's it's an awful prospect facing into facing into Christmas with this hanging over you, Mick, isn't it? Good morning.
4: Yes, of course it is, PJ. Um, the wage packets that come out of VMware uh, put the food on the table. They keep a roof over their heads uh, for workers and their families and their kids. Uh, and this is hanging over them now um, at the Christmas. Um, you know, what's it going to be like sitting around the the, the, the Christmas table with the threat of uh, unemployment hanging over your head and coming knocking on your door uh, in the new year? Because they don't know who, who the 364... Uh, workers are, yes. It, it may not be 364 houses because, of course, in any large employment of this kind, you have some houses that have more than one pay packet cool. Uh, cool. that depend uh, on this place and can be faced uh, with a double uh, uh, blow. But look, there's there's um, a six-week consultation period underway here. Um, the details aren't going to be announced until we're more than a week uh, into uh, January. Um, so there needs to be a pushback uh, starting now to say 364 jobs lost in Ballincollig. That's that's not uh, something that we're going to accept.
5: Mm. Economic reality, though, is that the sector overstuffed itself during COVID, and now a lot of these jobs are surplus to requirements. That's that's just the economic truth of it, Mick.
4: economic reality is that uh, VMware has recently been taken over. Uh, It's been taken over by a company called Broadcom. Um, I I said on a radio show that it was a $69 uh, million uh, uh, takeover. Of course, that was a slip of the tongue. It was a uh, $69 billion uh, uh, takeover. Uh, And they're implementing worldwide redundancies. They've done it in the United States. India and Japan are in their targets and here in Ireland uh, and in Balancolic uh, as well. Uh, but look, this is a company that has received uh, funding from the taxpayer. It's had assistance from the state. Uh, that's come through the Industrial uh, Development Authority. Uh, that's something that gives some leverage to the state. Uh, the minister in charge uh, would be the Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment, Uh who would be Minister Simon Coveney, mm-hmm. it is very important as a matter of urgency, in my view, that Simon Coveney makes contact with the company and impresses upon them um, that uh, the government and the state consider to be each and every job here to be uh, uh, valuable uh, jobs mm-hmm. uh, and remind the company of the assistance that they've gotten past in the past in relation to the IDA. And I think the other thing that is important is it, it's never easy to climb a mountain, and certainly you're, you're up against it when you're dealing with a global corporation of this kind. But one thing I know for sure, and that is that a group of workers who are not united and who are not organized mm-hmm. uh, and who can be picked off uh, section by section or one by one, does not have the same uh, power or influence as a group of workers are united and
5: organised. Is it not a unionised workforce out there, no? Uh,
4: It's not, to the best of my knowledge, uh, a unionised workforce. In fact, I I know that it's not. Um, uh, And organisation can involve uh, joining and getting involved in a trade union, or it can involve uh, workers just coming together as a group, discussing things uh, among themselves and and beginning to to speak with one voice and, and, and push back. Mm. So that's what needs to happen from the government, and that's what I would encourage to happen. It comes back, uh, doesn't that
5: make to the old principle, and it applies to a lot of these overseas companies, Americans in particular. They, they just won't deal with a union, and while it's your right and my right and Ember's right and Richard's right, anyone's right, to join a trade union, and, and that is as it is and only rightly so, you have no right, or your your boss is under no obligation to recognise that union, that rule has been, that, that, it, it's, it's, you you and others have been campaigning for compulsory union recognition for years. You're never going to get it, though, I'd say.
4: Yeah, you have what's known as the voluntary system in this state. It's a system that's been set up by Conservative governments, whether they've been led by Tweedledum, Finafal Fall, or Tweedledee, Fianna gale which means, yes, you, the worker, have the right to join a union, but the employer then has the right not to recognise uh, the union uh, and to keep you in uh, the corner. Having said
5: that... And is there any country where there is compulsory recognition, Mick?
4: Yes, there is. There's, there's, there's many countries where, where uh, unions have mandatory uh, recognition. Uh,
0: it, would,
4: it would be the case, for example, in, in Scandinavian countries, uh, in countries like uh, Austria and, and Germany, um, uh, you know, in, in many European countries in particular... After the Second World War, there was there was strong gains made by workers which haven't yet been fully uh, uh, chipped away. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I mean, even here in Cork, we have situations of workplaces where unions are not recognised. Uh, but nevertheless, when workers organise and push back on issues like health and safety at Stryker, for example, uh, they do have some effect. Oh yeah. Um, Uh, So even if the company aren't recognizing a union, what the company have to do in this circumstance is they have to have, uh, at VMware, uh, uh, workers elected from the various divisions and units of the company who they then enter into uh, a process with in terms of saying, okay, how many redundancies will there be in each section of the plant? Uh, Who might those people be? Mm. Is there any way we can reduce the numbers? and
5: so on. So, so what are you suggesting that, Minister, I know you're on the committee, the, the Trade and Employment Committee of the Oireachtas, and they'll no doubt meet and discuss this, but Simon Coveney, of course, one of our own here locally, make what what, what do you think it is necessary for Simon Coveney to do and be seen to do between now and Christmas?
4: Okay, well, if, if I were Simon Coveney, I would uh, lift the phone uh, to v- VMware and uh, seek to have uh, a meeting, uh, with senior executives, right? uh, and I would impress upon them uh, the fact that the government considers the 364 jobs that have been spoken about, in fact, all thousand jobs uh, at Ballancolic, to be of great importance to the workers, to their families, to Ballancolic, uh, and to Cork as a whole. And I would remind the company that, um, you know, um, the Irish taxpayer has assisted the development of your company through IDA uh, uh, grants. Uh, And uh, we're very concerned about the type of high numbers that are being uh, spoken of. And obviously nothing will be decided at that meeting. The message would be fed up the line to the the international headquarters. But the message would be that the Irish state, the Irish government, uh, uh, who do provide us uh, with money, uh, seem to be pushing back on this one uh, a little bit and give some pause for thought that, that would be, so, so effectively I, I,
5: he, he needs to ring up the executive and let it be known in a formal manner as a member of government that we are not happy with this and after all we funded you heavily when you set up first, now we're not happy about this, do something about
4: it Yeah I and mean, look, I, you know, I'm not naive and I don't have the illusion that the, the international headquarters of, of what's now Broadcom by VMware who are after lashing out 69 billion on this takeover are going to say oh my god Simon Coveney is on the phone we better do a U-turn in Ireland but it it, it does give them uh, uh, pause for thought Uh, it does uh, push them back a wee bit and then that needs to be supplemented by workers coming together as workers and having a discussion about how they can best organise and uh, push back on this front as well
5: Do you believe that the 364 jobs any of them or all of them can be saved?
4: There's a, there's a, a, a six-week consultation, and I would see the 364 that's been put forward by the company as a kind of an opening offer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if you'll be looking at 364 uh, at the end of the process, but it depends on how much pressure they're put under, both from the government and the state on the one hand, and the workers through worker organization on the other hand. I would strongly encourage workers to consider going down that road
5: Alright Mick, thank you, we'll follow this one over the weeks to come, there is as he said a six week consultation period, but is he right? Is it time for, si- No, we don't know that Simon Coveney hasn't already done this, but is it time for Simon Coveney to pick up the phone to the gaffer at VMware or whatever gaffer you have to deal with say come here, you know what Back in the day we gave ye a shed load of taxpayers' money. Now three hundred and sixty four of our taxpayers are being told that their jobs may be on the line. Uh, this isn't good enough, and we need to talk. Is that a conversation that either Simon Coveney has had or do you believe should have? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. A couple more of our uh, Everyman entries. We are looking today for your Christmas Day disasters, your Christmas dinner. Disasters Uh, Don't know if you'd call it a disaster But it seemed like it to me We just moved into a new home Our first Christmas there Next door was rented to a young couple Who started partying early evening And it didn't end until early in the morning Like 6 o'clock on Christmas morning We were fierce upset We went to the Christmas swim And then the annual visit to the graveyard Who did I meet? with the landlord for next door and I let him have it there and then presumably not in the middle of the graveyard or maybe it was I let him have it there and then to this day 15 years later he still crosses the road when he sees me says Helen I know you'd feel that way though wouldn't you last year was work on Christmas day when I got home all the ham was gone the savages yeah there's a thing actually animals and Christmas dinner Everyone has had those disasters. Where's this one? Someone got in. The cat got in the wind. My Christmas dinner was eaten by a dog while my mother was out chatting to the neighbors. He went into the house and helped himself to the turkey. I was working in the bar of my local G A club Christmas morning. When I got home, there was a crowd outside the house. We ran to see what the problem was. And all the neighbors were bringing food into my mother. Says Kenneth from Churchfield. Thank you. Yes, there was one about a cat as well, crawling in a window. Cats are lethal. Cats are lethal for the Christmas dinner because cats absolutely love por- por- um, love poultry. Here's one. We were after getting up with the children to see what Santa brought and to open the presents. I went back up the stairs to take a shower and get dressed. I heard a crashing sound. The cat got in the window of the utility room and, I w- and was feasting on the ham, which was sitting there cooling waiting to be glazed and roasted and carved. Oh, oh, husband had to go in search of a petrol station to get more ham. That was my contribution to the dinner. That's from Moirade. 0818969696 96, 96. Bring those on.
3: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> With your local mace. Amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas.
2: <laughs> the minds are live. Oh, hello.
3: Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 83
2: 396
3: Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This
2: is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
5: 96fm. Oh, <clears throat> David Moore of Astronomy Ireland just used one of the set of words that triggers me and gets me going and gets me dander up and gives me ire. Uh, I hate it when people say about Ireland, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. I hate it. I hate that. Ugh. That's like the people who say when it's pissing in July, just put on a raincoat. Go away. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I digress. We have lots of stuff happening around the country, around the county. Little shows going on here, there and everywhere. Um, Mary, who describes herself as a proud granny, says... Morning PJ, could I congratulate the teachers, the SNAs and all the wonderful staff of Bering's National School for their fantastic production last night of Shrek the Musical. Everything was done by the staff, from the sets, the costumes an amazing evening's entertainment. Another show tonight. Not sure if it's booked out. Maybe there are tickets. An evening well spent. Thoroughly enjoy the show. Healthy and happy Christmas to you and your listeners from Mary. Thank you, Mary. And if there are tickets left for that show in Bering's National School, it sounds like one not to miss. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. eight ninety six ninety Before 10, talking to uh, McBarry TD about the upcoming redundancies. In VMware, 364 jobs on the line in that company, and most of them will be around Ballancolig. And it follows a takeover of the company, a $69 billion takeover. Like, that's eye watering. That's telephone number figures of uh, VMware taken over by Broadcom. And when you have a takeover, these things happen. Jobs get shed. It's just the economic way of the world. Now, McBarry is suggesting that Simon Coveney, as Minister for French Press, Trade and Employment, has a duty now to put it to VMware. Well, look, we supported you guys, and we gave you all sorts of tax breaks and taxpayers' money to set you up here, and now you owe us. Daniel, you don't think anyone is going to listen to a phone call like that, do you? Good morning.
9: Oh, uh, absolutely not. They're throwing around $69 billion worth of money to uh, acquire a company that they've decided is, is worth their time. They're not going to care about what... A small local government, which is what it is, in the grand scheme of things, is going to say about um, letting people go. What they'll do is they'll follow the letter of the law. They'll pay the people the money that they're owed based on the statutory redundancy, and then those people will not have jobs anymore. Unfortunately, that's just how the reality was going to be. And if they think the government's going to do anything, refer back to when Apple were asked by the EU to pay over 12 million in taxes, and the billion. government kind of went, ah, let's, not, uh, "Let's not, let's not, let's not." You know, let's not dip into that. Let's just well, that's
5: still being tossed about as yeah. an argument. But, but, but the point that that Mick Barry was making, and I know he's an opposition TD and opposition TDs are going to oppose, but when VMware came in here, they got substantial chunks of taxpayers' money to assist them to set up. And, and is it not the job of the minister of the day to at least pick up the telephone and say, Come here, lads. You've got I mean, a lot of money to come in here. can talk
9: to VMware as much as he likes, but it's not VMware that are actually making the decision. Their parent company has said, you need to shed X amount of staff from these departments because we're now overlapping, because we already have a parent company that handles human resources or payroll or any of these kind of other, let's say, um, non-technical specifications, right? So you, it's not your support engineers who are supporting the product. It's your... Um, human resources managers and your people who are doing the hiring and firing and payroll, those people, those jobs aren't required anymore because they already have those systems in place in Broadcom. So it's not up to VMware whether they keep or um, get rid of staff. Broadcom have sent the directive down and nothing's going to change that. No matter how much pressure is put locally on the VMware organization, it still comes from the top. And because they've thrown so much money around, they're not messing about. They're not doing this for, you know, because they're trying to trim a little bit. they they need to streamline this organization, make sure that it's profitable for them. And in order to do that, they can cut cut those 300 jobs. And I know it sounds brutal, but that's just the reality mm. of the tech industry and, and certainly how these acquisitions go ahead.
5: Your analysis of the economics are spot on, Daniel. I couldn't agree with you more in terms of that analysis. They don't care who these people are or where they are. But the, but the truth of the matter is these are people who bought houses in Ballincollig, support business in Ballincollig. They've children growing up in Ballincollig, going to school in Ballincollig, and they're getting this news less than two weeks before Christmas, and and to just dismiss it as an economic fact is a bit heartless too, isn't it?
9: Well, I mean, absolutely, but they're not they're not they're not a local company anymore. They're not like a, they're not fostering community care, and I know VMware really helps. They do the volunteer program, they do a lot of stuff. I used to work for EMC in the past, but they let me go on the they they made me redundant on the twenty something to December. Um, before. Now, this wasn't a mass redundancy, but they still did it. Um, I got a very competitive package, and I like, was in my contract, and I don't want to switch to VMware is. But, like, <clears throat> they, don't mark, they don't care. In the IT industry, you are just a number a lot of the time. Now, I've worked in tech my whole life, mm. and I've seen bosses come into an office and go, right, so today we're going to let 50% of the, of the workforce go. Thanks very much, and that's it. So and right, do you think,
5: therefore, up. that this is posturing by politicians. A minister a government minister will say, Well, I'll talk to them and I'll see what we can do and an opposition spokesman saying, Well, you need to do this now. You need to tell them, you know, you need to tell them who who runs the country kinda. Do you think this is all political posturing?
9: I mean they have to do they have to be seen to do something, then otherwise what's their worth? Right? They have no value if they're not actually actively doing something. But it's not going to do anything, unfortunately. The reality of it is you could have the entire cabinet go to VMware and say, Please don't you know, make 300 people redundant. We really wouldn't like it. But VMware have no choice, like I've said previously. Volcom will tell them, you need to get rid of these people. And once they have the correct legal flow in place, where they give them the statutory redundancy or whatever's contracted into their contract, it'll be said and done. There won't be any discussion. There won't be any mm. kind of um, pushback from the government that can stop this. There's nothing they can do
5: legally to stop it. It's are, are you there. still in the sector, Daniel?
9: Yeah, yeah, I'm
5: still working actually. Yeah. yeah, one thought I had last night was, well, look, it's 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 really harsh on these people, and you'd have to feel it for them and their families. But they're in they're in cloud tech, cloud cloud engineering kind of thing. That's a. That, I would have thought that many of them will get jobs within within months at at worst. Would you agree? I, I mean, absolutely. Well, that's the,
9: the, the thing is, we're talking about the cloud tech, but like I said, the people that are being let go are most likely not going to be the technical people. It's going to be people who are offering overlapping roles that do people management right. and right. payroll and human resources and stuff like that. There will be roles out there, but I think the, the, specialty, the specialty engineers, for example, the support engineers, which is kind of the sector right. I work in, they're going to be kept on because they have product knowledge. Yeah. And that's what they're buying the company for. They want the product and the product knowledge. They don't need the extra um, human resources stuff, yeah. for example, because they can hire centrally from some office probably in London yeah. or, or Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, you like know that.
5: that office there with six fellas in it doing a great job, six nice fellas doing a great job. Well, actually now we have an office in Broadcom that does all of that and, yeah. and they can yeah, be replaced absolutely. by a computer. And that's yeah. just economics.
9: Yeah, that, and that's, that's just how, that's how these acquisitions function. Um, I would be surprised if many technical people get let go because they still need people to support right. the VMware product and develop right. the VMware product. And but stuff but like you're that. saying,
5: and, any job that can be that already exists within within Broadcom, say any job like that, unfortunately becomes becomes surplus to requirements.
9: That would be my assumption. I don't yeah. know for sure. I'm not no, inside no. there. I don't know. But it's it's but economics.
5: It's economics. Yeah. Yeah. You see, if a lot of them as men, men in their 50s as well, they, they, they might struggle to get on other work, you
9: know? Yeah, I mean, uh, experience with a cloud, with an organization of that size and scale, you could definitely go and find it, but it's whether the jobs are available.
2: That's
5: right. Amazing.
9: If the market's already saturated and they're firing, uh, I'm sorry, making redundant um, 15 people from the same role, from the same human resources role, how many companies are hiring a yeah, human resources point, manager point. at this time? Certainly, I know when I was made redundant in late December, no one was actually actively hiring at the time because all, most big organisations go into a change freeze, you know, November, December. Understood. And they won't actually make any changes. They won't do any hiring because they, it's just outside of They'll the budget. They'll wait till the spring, the spring
5: comes around at the earliest. Year. But then
9: come January, there will be a lot of places will open up their books. Yeah, yeah.
5: come back to um, the politicians, though, and you say they, they have to be seen to do something, but in reality, they can't do anything.
9: No, because they Broadcom will... Broadcom, uh, by proxy with VMware, will follow the letter of the law. They'll do what they need to do to make sure these redundancies are above board and legitimate. But there's nothing that they can say yeah. or do that
5: will stop them doing more. And, and what Barry is saying about the the, the, the workforce unionising.
9: I mean, they can union they, if they've unionised. I don't know if they have unionised or they're planning on unionising. But regardless of whether they do that or not, the Broadcom aren't going to be violating any laws. They're not be, They're not going to be stupid enough to. Try and do something underhand they've got the money as they've mm. shown to just pay the redundancies to these people, and then they'll be gone and i, don't, I unfortunately it's super harsh and it's a really cold um, sort of uh, statement to make, but that's just how it is that's just reality well, well
5: daniel it isn't it is a realistic statement of economic facts and I respect you for it, and you put your head over the parapet to make those points and and I thank you for doing so no you're more
9: like, I'm more welcome like this. People, are, tech, tech companies do not care about their employees, no matter how much they'd love to tell you they do. At the end of the day, it's all about the bottom line and the profits. And right. if, you're, if you're a drain, you're not going to stay there, unfortunately. And that's what these, these extra roles that now exist inside Broadcom are going to be doing. They're not going to be making any value add to the organization.
5: All right. All right, Daniel. Thank you. Harsh words, but unfortunately, a strong wing of tr- economic truth. Thank you. 0818. 96, 96, 96. And look, Daniel didn't put it in so many words, but I will. Politicians going to politic. They're going to do what they do. Simon Coveney, yes, he should ring, pick up the phone, make the call, ask the questions, remind them of the... The way the wave was paved for them back in the day, that's his job. He needs to do it. And McBarry's job is to make sure that he does that, or to at least call them. But at the end of the day, politicians are going to politic, but the jobs are going to go anyway, according to Daniel, who's been working in the sector and has experienced tough days like this. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. <laughs> Simon Murdoch And the best music mix
3: Weekdays from Midday On Cork's 96FM The only afternoon soundtrack you need in Cork Back today, straight after the opinion line The best music mix And plenty of Christmas classics as well for you From 12 on Cork's 96FM We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits After Midday on Cork's 96FM Christmas! Christmas with your local mace. Making your Christmas extra special with festive offers.
2: Join the conversation.
3: Text or WhatsApp 0833 96 96 96.
2: This is The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Fox
5: 96 FM. Right, been having fun all this week with the panto at the everyman. Beauty and the Beast, of course, a fantastic modern twist on it for 2023. Running until Sunday, 14th of January, getting rave reviews. We've teamed up every day with some great eateries for this week's uh, daily competition. So, today we're with Greenwich Cafe, or Greenwich Cafe, on Caroline Street. We'll send you to the Panto on the 29th of December. It's a Friday. We'll send you to the matinee which is at half past one. But before that, you will go for brunch for four people at Greenwich Cafe. We've two of those prizes. And today we're looking for your Christmas dinner disaster stories, where it all went horribly, horribly wrong, for whatever reason, like we've won here today from Leanne. Leanne says, my mother-in-law's dog ran away with the spiced beef he has a habit of jumping up at the counter, so spotted his opportunity, and away with him. And lots like that, there's lots of animal stories of animals robbing the meat, or the turkey, or whatever. <laughs> Kenneth in Churchfield, my Christmas dinner was eaten by a dog while my mother was out chatting to the neighbours. He went into the house and helped himself. <laughs> O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And for those entries, get them in and we'll pick two winners at the end of the show. O eight three three ninety-six ninety-six ninety-six. How did it all go horribly wrong with the Christmas dinner? Be honest now. Put your hands up and say this is what's happened. And we'll have some fun with it throughout the morning. Now, unfortunately, the um the family of James Bork don't have much time for fun at the moment they are desperately worried James Burke lives and works in Cork he's a Limerick lad but he lives and works here in Cork and has done for quite a number of years now James Burke is currently seriously ill in hospital in Thailand he was on holidays and he got bitten it seems by a mosquito and it has turned his life upside down in the space of days and his family's life back here At home, James's sister Margaret is on the phone now. Um, Margaret, tell me about him. Good morning. Tell me what's been going on with him.
10: Good morning, PJ, and thanks for taking my call here today. James is the youngest of nine children. He's 36 years of age. And he's working for a transport company there in Cork City called Mm Altrance. He went on holidays to Thailand a few weeks ago. Was due to return on the 19th of November. He sent um, messages to family um, en route on the taxi, Snapchat. He was looking forward to coming home, but James never came home.
5: So he was on his way to the airport in a taxi, sent you messages to say he was on his way home, and that's the last you heard from him.
10: That's the last we heard from him. It, he sent us uh, a snapchat, so we saw right. him in the text. We saw the time, and he was he had a good holiday, he said, and he was looking forward to coming home.
5: And that would have been the middle of November? 19th November. Okay. <clears throat> so what happened next?
10: So family started to get worried about him because they were sending messages and ringing him, and he wasn't answering his phone. So through the hotel staff where he was staying and to Thai friends here in Ireland we eventually tracked him down he was in the hospital critically unwell through um, a Thai translator they contacted the family members to give consent for James to be intubated and put on a ventilator because he was a respiratory failure
5: and this had happened in the time between he in a taxi on the way to the airport and supposed to get on a plane yeah. Crikey. And he was in good form, like in the taxi?
10: He was in good form in the taxi. A few days later, he was he was in a hospital, in critical, in Bangkok. And so he
5: must have collapsed at the airport or something, did he?
10: Something happened to him, yeah. Crikey. We don't know the details fully of everything that happened. So, so
5: where is he now, do you know?
10: So James is still in the ICU department in hospital, um, Bangkok Hospital, Patea. He's been received excellent care. Um, He developed um, acute kidney failure as well and pneumonia and also has a bleed to his brain and severe um, nerve injury to his neck and shoulder.
5: Good Lord, what happened to the poor man?
10: He developed sepsis as a a result of a rare mosquito bite. It's called Dengue type 2.
5: Or Dengue fever, it's very common in that part of the world, yeah.
10: He got a very rare form, but it's a type 2 and it's a reportable disease out there in Thailand. Oh, God. So, so he was critical. Um, to it was touch and go there for James.
11: Mm-hmm.
10: He's still in ICU, PJ, in okay. the hospital. His medical condition has improved somewhat, but he's still been tube fed. He's immobile. He's very confused and disorientated. We don't know if it's due to the bleeding in his brain. Did he develop encephalitis? We don't know the full story on okay.
5: that. Have you been um, able to speak to him or is he...
10: Yeah, at times he's he's alert and he can answer some questions. At other times then he's just he just has a vacant stare. And
5: so you've been able to make contact, have you, what, through video or something, through video calls, yeah?
10: Yes. Yeah. To the hospital, the ICU department there, through a video. He's very uh, distressed and confused and, and disoriented. And we can't afford to go to because we have every penny of our savings given to the hospital.
5: Yeah, the, the care is fantastic, but it's very costly, I think, is it?
10: It's costing 2700 a day to keep James where he is.
5: Oh, my goodness.
10: I'm getting a, a link every day on my phone page to pay out 2,700 euros. The insurance company are refusing to pay for his travel. He took out travel insurance in good faith. They've refused to pay it. They're declining the case. Why? Because the timeline of when he eventually ended up in hospital is past the date of the time he was supposed to come home it's gone to their underwriters now and we're still pursuing the case but we're going to have to get some legal advice on this now.
5: Okay, well that's possibly best dealt with, I suppose, off the radio but I, I'd still pursue it, do you know? But, at the yeah. b- like, you can't possibly be able to afford this matter.
10: P.J., we're at the end of our tether It's causing daily mental distress amongst the families. Um, we're trying to get him repatriated and, um, the doctors in the hospital said that the safest route for James to be repatriated through air ambulance, which is coming up at a cost 176,000. Oh, hundred and seventy six thousand. The HSC won't pay for the repatriation. They said to us because he had travel insurance we need to pursue the travel insurance. So we don't know where to go. We've been to every T D we're just appealing here, PJ, people have been so good. Friends, family, James' work colleagues, our own work colleagues. People that, just, that don't know us, strangers, have given money. But we're appealing now, Peter. It's nearly Christmas and we're appealing. If 100,000 people could give two euros, it doesn't matter. If it's only one or two euros, we can bring James home.
5: Okay, okay. I'm sorry to hear you're getting upset now. Desperate,
10: pizza, And the desperate price. I never thought we'd be in this crisis
5: that we're in. Yeah.
3: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about
0: work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
5: I'm just looking at the GoFundMe page as yeah. we speak, and there's not far short of 20,000 on it, but, but you need yeah. an awful lot more. People are great, you know.
10: They yeah. And we're we so grateful to everyone Every single person that has donated well, This is serious money No family could afford this No person could afford this
5: Sure, your savings must be goosed What savings you had must be goosed yeah.
10: We've not got to the legs for Christmas already. to hear our own kids we just at the end of the day, I can't go to work myself I'm a nurse myself And I can't go to work so I'm not able I know
5: and how quickly, if, if the money could be put in place or if the insurance company decided they were going to underwrite it or if the HSE yeah. decided they were going to help, how quickly yeah. could he be home?
10: He could be home within the next day tomorrow itself because the hospital have signed that he can be relieved.
5: Or he's fit to travel.
10: On yeah. air ambulance.
5: On air ambulance.
10: Yeah. But that, that would be with a team. Yeah.
5: It's a yeah. team of
10: medical professionals.
5: And he'd need to be go straight to hospital at this end, I suppose, would he?
10: He'd have to go to hospital here. I don't know which hospital will accept him, but we'd prefer him to go to ICU, in, uh, well, a hospital ward or wherever in Cork, wherever he's uh, being appropriate for him.
5: Sure. This is an awful stressful situation that he had travel insurance. He did all the things we're supposed yeah. to do. He bought his travel yeah. insurance. He got yeah. sick. That's he... what it's supposed to cover, sure.
10: Yeah, if you hadn't travel insurance, you'd probably be that on. That's the way we feel now. So we we don't know where to turn. We've nearly, we're nearly 90 years of family. We've had fallouts and everything, and we're all, there's nine of us here, and we're all trying to do our best. And my mother and father, my father's 83 years' age, my mother's 76. They're nine of us, and devastated.
5: When was the last time you were able to talk to him, Margaret, that he, you know, you, you could have a conversation with him?
10: I can't have a proper conversation. Can you not? And, uh, he, he can answer some questions, but he gets very distressed. And he, he's looking like he's not ex-focus like, with eye contact and like he's not himself. We don't know if he'll ever be himself. He's got he will, but he'd have some chance that he could be brought home and we could go to see him. You know, he gets care here at the hospital where people are able to, you know, speak his language as well. I
5: know, that's there's a language problem difficult. too, there is. Yeah.
10: yeah, that's very difficult as well. And there's a time distance well. PJ. It's night like time and we're day time and we're trying to get up at two and three o'clock in the morning to talk to staff. No, I couldn't say enough about the staff.
5: They're helpful, are they, Margaret?
10: They are, but the, the language is, is difficult, PJ. I'm
5: sure, and
10: you know they're using a translator system themselves, and we ask them questions. Some of them, and we're not able to ask the proper questions. Of we've only had, like we've only had one phone call from a doctor, and it's not it's not their phone. Sugar so.
5: sure, God, lovey. Tis tis an awful difficult time.
10: We're just pleading now, Peter. as I said. There's over five million people in Ireland and I know it's a hard time for everyone coming up to Christmas and everyone has their own troubles. But if people just have two euros. We don't care how much to to give one or two euros. A hundred thousand people, we could have James home. That's all we want. That's all we want for Christmas now. He
5: he lives in Cork. Has has he lived here long?
10: He's there a good two years now. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And tell me a bit about him.
10: James is a, a a character. he has good friends there in Cork. He's 36, He's a single man. Um, my he's the apple of my mother's eye. He'd do anything for anyone. He's a very kind natured person. And
5: he drives um, for, her, he drives for You'd see the, you'd i probably passed him on the road. You'd see the the trucks around.
10: No doubt you did. I think he delivers to the chemist there in in Cork.
5: Ah, sure, I know them well because I often see the the, the truck down there around feelings, say down yeah. there by Canal Road. I've often seen the truck. Margaret, there's a few quid in, in the GoFundMe, and and we'll certainly help yeah. to share it. Uh, come back to me if the insurance company moves on yeah. this, because I'm I'm baffled as to know why they wouldn't yeah. when he'd paid yeah. a premium and all that. And look after yeah. yourselves, won't you?
10: Thanks, Peter. Thanks for everything.
5: You're more than welcome. And if there's anything we can do, you just let us know. I would
10: want James to, yeah,
5: to come home. Okay, look after yourselves. And let me know if there's a move on this, won't you? I will,
10: of course, Yeah. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak today.
5: It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Margaret, thank you so much.
10: Thank you, Peter.
5: Bye-bye, Peter. Bye, Margaret. You're very, very welcome. <laughs> just look into that, the fundraiser, the GoFundMe, stands this morning... Nineteen thousand five hundred and sixty-two. Now they need an awful lot more than that to get the chap home. We've shared it now on our Twitter, and uh, we'll we'll all share it. And if you want, if you're a follower you're following us on Opinion Line ninety-six, and you want to help, just share it forward. Let's see, can we get James brought home? Nineteen thousand five hundred and sixty-two in there at the moment. But yeah. It's it's awful. The, the the HSE, according to Margaret, HSE won't touch it because he has insurance. The insurance won't touch it because of some clause. And now it's gone back to the underwriters and look, that'll that'll go where it goes. And they've a solicitor involved, so presumably the solicitor will will help as best they can to sort that out. But in the meantime, family are so desperate they have sent up or set up this. This GoFundMe, nineteen thousand five hundred and sixty-two in it, uh, as we speak. 96 one eight ninety-six ninety-six ninety-six. We'll also send that interview with Margaret out uh, to all of our contacts in the press and see what can be what can be done.
1: The big drive home
3: with Izzy Showbizy.
2: On chords 96FM
3: Join me weekdays from 4pm For a little bit more of this I need you to scream and dance for me right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also be playing your favourite tunes on the takeover Where you could win a voucher for Oak fire Pizza Hi Izzy I would love if you could play Nortan Stick Season It is the most contagious Just sing-along song ever And with a surname like Show Busy I'll have all of the latest entertainment news for you too Join me weekdays from 4pm
2: the Big Drive Home. You can
3: drive me home. With Connick Kilty Food Company. Spikeball, tacos, pizza. connor Kilty Black Pudding is the making of any meal. So go on, be a rebel.
2: Corks 96FM. 96FM.
3: Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96FM.ie.
2: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM.
5: Well, that's lovely. There's a few uh, donations starting to drop on the GoFundMe, which we have shared. It's If you want to go find it, it's Please Help Our Brother James Burke Get Home. But in the last few minutes, some donations have dropped and we're up now to nearly 19,700, which is nice to see. 0818 96 96 96. Uber have done a survey of taxi drivers. This is the busiest eight or ten days or nine or ten days for taxi drivers in in the course of the year. And the same will happen over New Year. Um, taxis will be incredibly busy. But Uber did a survey of the nicest places and the not-so-nice places to pick people up. And they also looked at the behavior of passengers that drive <laughs> the drivers mad. This is in the uh, Irish Independent. Adrian Weckler has a piece about it. Uber has disclosed the best and worst rated places in Ireland for being called out to as a taxi driver. And the best place in the country, it would appear, is Balbriggan in Dublin. Castle Troy in Limerick goes down well. Dorky, of course, Dorky, so they're only all posh in Dorky. Now, Cork also comes out as um, having... (coughs) Rochestown, Roachestown, comes out of this survey not looking well, not looking well at all. Rochestown has among the most rude and irritating passengers, according to an Uber survey. Whereas in Sundays, well, well, you take about people, you're among the nicest passengers in the country. So Sundays, well, Norries, see, to Norries and the Sundays, well, you're among the nicest passengers in the country, according to Uber drivers. Uh, Roach down, cop yourself on a small bit. You're, you're not quite so nice. According to... And the things that people do in the taxi, that, that the driver doesn't... The driver does not like people who are rude or aggressive. They don't appreciate it. Do you know? Um, they don't like you eating in the car. For goodness sake, finish your chips, cheese and garlic before you get into the car. Like, it's simple. Don't go flagging down a taxi until the chips, cheese and garlic are gone. The damn things stink. And because you're half cut, you don't get the smell. Everybody else does. By the way, don't ask to smoke with the window open either when you're in the... Just suck it up for the few minutes. You don't need to smoke. And put away the phone. Don't be playing music on your phone. It's four in the morning. The driver's sick of this. Don't slam the door we'd prefer if you didn't leave us the door someone else wants to use it thanks ever so much please put on the seatbelt this came back as number 5 on the Uber drivers list the number of people that just refuse to wear a seatbelt I'm not wearing that doesn't apply to me but it does see if I was the Uber driver that picked you up and refused to put on a seatbelt I'd simply stop and take it out yeah since Uber launched in Ireland 2023 has been its busiest year so far here uh, they're all over the country now. Um, they said they'll expect record demand this Christmas, according to their general manager, Kieran Hart. But among the best in the country, among the nicest people in the country, are the people Uber picks up around Sunday as well. And among the ones they'd rather leave behind on the side of the road are the people in Rocherstown. These are not my words and not my findings. Can we stress that for a second? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right back to your Christmas dinner disasters. A couple of days after Christmas, says Claire in West Cork. A couple of days after Christmas, our neighbour popped in the kitchen for a chat. to Visit my brother. My brother, being courteous, offered him some food, and he was eating at the time, so he offered him a plate. And uh, the neighbour said, "Yeah, he'd love a bite. Love a bite, to eat." Um but he says help yourself boy help yourself, grab whatever's there so mother walks in and nearly died of mortification there's the there's the neighbor harsing into a bowl of scraps that were left on the table for the cat so there was I so imagine the neighbor, neighbor's buttered sliced bread and it's harsing scraps for the cat onto it love it Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Um, I was cooking the Christmas dinner. Says Mike and Mallow. I was cooking the Christmas dinner and ended up falling asleep on the couch. I woke up to the smell of in the kitchen of it burning. I put so much effort into it. No way was I throwing it away. I said it was a smoked, <laughs> a smoked ham, and I got away with it. But we still talk about it twelve years later. I eventually told them the truth. The following Christmas. 96, 96, 96 Now, yesterday, yesterday, so many people were talking to us about Jane. Jane was in the bakery, Lynch's Bakery, was it? In McCroom on the 30th of December. Or was it? Sorry, 30th of November, last month. 30th of November. Jane was in the bakery in McCroom. And she met. A man, and we were talking to Humphrey from the bakery as well, who remembers the incident, remembers the day, and remembers the conversation that struck up. But here's a reminder of Jane from yesterday.
12: There was this man, and he was chatting, and he included me immediately in the conversation. It was all about the history of McCroom, and, you know, it was interesting. Anyway, I ordered my bread, and I said, well, I've got to go because I'm teaching. I'm I'm an English tutor. I work online. Mm -hmm. I headed out, and I said, I'm going to the health food shop. And he took my hand and said, "I need to see the health food shop." Oh, as we know, the Irish can be very friendly, but I've not met anything like that before. Anyway, he walked out with me to the health food shop, and we were, you know, sc- carried on chatting really. And uh, he took my hand again, and he said, "Are you going home to your husband?" And I said, "No, I said I'm single. I just live with my dog." <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And he said, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm 56. And he said, I can't believe that. I thought, well, you know, he's flirting, obviously. Mm, Like a devil. Like a demon, he's flirting. Yeah, Yeah, like a devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, he then took off his hat. To show me his hair and he said, well I'm a bit older than you I said well I said you've got a good head of hair there Dennis because he'd introduced himself to me about three times telling me his name was Dennis and then he then he said can I have your phone number so I got this great long English phone number I kept it for my business (laughs) I still gave him this number and I realized afterwards he got a really old phone and he said well I, I think I got it and I said oh okay well anyway I'll have to go I said but lovely to see you Dennis and that was it. And anyway, as I was driving home, I thought, what a nice man he was.
5: He rang, Jane.
12: <laughs> he rang. He rang. He rang last night. We conjured him up, PJ. That's what happened. The universe
5: he- delivered him.
12: Yeah, because he has no technology. He didn't know anything about anything. He said he'd been up the walls, which I know is an Irish thing for being very busy, but he'd been thinking about me and had finally got round to ringing me. So that, he didn't know anything about what
13: had been happening.
5: Tell (laughs) tell me about when the phone rang.
12: So I was teaching, you know, I teach till late after school Mm. online and it was about half past seven, and, and I could see the phone ringing. You know, it was on silent, and it was an Irish number. I don't know many people with an Irish number. You know, they're mostly people from England ringing me about work and things. And I thought, oh. Anyway, I waited until I finished with one student, and then there was a bit of a lull before the next one logged on. And I thought, just have a quick listen, because there was an answer phone message,
11: and it was him.
12: Oh, dear, so I had to focus all through the last hour of this. Teaching. And then I prepared myself, and I rang him. And he was just, you know, it was just like we were chatting 12 days before or whatever. And I told him all about it, and he couldn't believe it. He said, what radio station that? sort of told him, <laughs> I said, everybody's talking about it, Dennis.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't, he didn't get cold feet and get all frightened, no?
12: No, he thought he was hilarious. We were talking for about an hour. No. and um, he said well you know we need to meet again don't we when would you like to meet and I said well I'm working most days but Sunday's the best day so he said well I'm milking cows for a friend in the morning it <laughs> can be later so um, anyway we said we'd talk about it again on Saturday and arrange where to meet yeah so that's what's
5: happening so we kind of manifested in between us
12: I think we did, PJ. That's what we did.
5: (laughs) This is great.
12: You can't can't believe it. I mean, 12 days later, but a neighbour said to me, sure, that's nothing, Jane. That's nothing for Irish men. (laughs) It's very different to England, I suppose. That's what it is.
5: Yeah, And, and he was very surprised to hear that you'd been looking for him, was he?
12: Yeah, I think he just thought, You know, he would ring me and, you know, it would all be fine. And I told him, I said, well, I wasn't sure that you'd got, you know, that you'd got my great long English number. Oh, yes, he said, you know, I I made sure I I got your number. So all my fears were unfounded,
5: weren't Mm. they? What you didn't know was where he was living. Do you know now?
12: I know now, he, he doesn't live in Ballyvornia at all, he's got such a heavy accent, and of course I don't know the area PJ, I don't know any of these names, I just looked on a map, he would said to me, oh it's about 20 minutes from Macroom." I thought that looks, sounds a bit familiar Ballyvornia, so I tried that, mm. but actually he, he's the other direction, it is 20 minutes, but it's the other direction, you know, going further down towards
5: the end of the country. <laughs> okay, okay. So he'd be he closer to the city then maybe.
12: Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so you're gonna meet on you're gonna meet on Sunday. You might have a lovely story to tell me on Monday.
12: You never know, do you? You just never know. <laughs>
5: this is starting to sound like a soap opera.
12: <laughs> Poor man, I hope he's not shy. He isn't. He's like me, he loves chatting. So we'll yeah. be having a good chat. I'll tell him all about it in detail. <laughs> well if
5: it all goes well on Sunday, we'd love to talk to the two of you on Monday. That would be great.
12: <laughs> oh well yes and and would you be able to do that it, You yeah, know, would we have to be in the same place then or you
5: can be on two phones,
12: yeah, well, oh, yes, that's true. oh, well, I'll talk to him about that then'
5: Because that'd be fun <laughs> that'd be fun Janie, God, that'd be fun
12: <laughs> <laughs> yes well let's let's see how it goes, but it it's as if we were old friends, we were just chatting about everything. And uh, it was as nice as it was in the bakery. Good, so good. let's hope.
5: Is it that you feel? Is it, is it like you've known him for years?
12: Yes, it feels like that. He's very easy to chat to. Very easy, okay. which was one of the nice oh, things because you know I'm chatty. I like yeah, I like good to talk
5: yourself. This <laughs> Thank is you. this is wonderful. And there were people messaging us last evening. Did you didn't think <laughs> did 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 they find Dennis? Well. He rang, <laughs> and he had no idea he were looking for him. He was <laughs> too busy farming. Oh yes, yeah, that's it.
12: This up the fantastic. walls, he said, which oh, is an Irish thing is. I've heard before. Up the, up like the, the walls, walls
5: is an Irish expression for really busy. <laughs> yeah,
2: it is. Yeah,
5: yeah. As, as I'm sure, actually, as an English teacher living here, the way we use language, Jane, must be, must be of a great fascination to you. Oh, it is.
12: Yeah, I'm always listening to phrases and thinking, what do they mean by that? And then, then you know, working it out contextually. So, yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. What, what, kind of thing,
5: what kind of things do we say that that have you smiling?
12: Well, well that, up the walls, is one of the major ones. Um, my friend in Westport, when I was telling her about all this yesterday, said, sure, what's for you won't go by you? Which I hadn't heard before. And when I worked it out, I thought, she means that if it's meant for you, yeah. it will happen. Somewhere, Somewhere in the universe, it
5: will, yeah. What's far you won't go by, yeah. yeah, that's an old one. We have loads of expressions like that, but we use the English language in a way that <laughs> It must be funny, it must be funny. Up the walls, yeah, well, up the walls, yeah, that's... Um,
12: well, I said to Dennis, it, it's lyrical, is what I'd say about the language. It's why it's lovely, you know, it's loved universally, isn't it, Irish? It's a very warm kind of way of communicating, and mm-hmm. I think that's what... So appealing, you know. It's right. yeah, it's
5: lovely. All right. Well, maybe you'll hear more lovely English on Sunday when you're chatting <laughs> with, with Dennis Jane. Delighted to, to hear back from you. Um, Dennis rang her last night out of the blue. He has no Facebook, and he hadn't heard her talking to us on the show. But we like to think that we helped to manifest. She's back with you, We like to think that we we helped to manifest Dennis. ...for Jane. That cool. That nice. That nice. 0818 96 96 96. Premier League Live on Corks96FM.ie with Trevor Welsh. It's back. Where is that screen gone on me? Yes, back this Saturday. Powered by TalkSport Premier League Live. On the app, of course, or the website. Live coverage of Manchester City versus Crystal Palace at three. uh, Burnley against Everton at half past five. Two games... And, of course, all the updates from the other grounds as they come in. Premier League Live Online is brought to you by Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96fm.ie.
3: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. Happy
2: Holidays!
3: With your local mace. Savings with a smile. All through the Christmas season.
2: We've given away thousands of euro on the Corks 96FM 10K toy giveaway. you euro toy shopping! Oh Izzy, thank you so much! Oh, I'm so happy! 500 Euro toy shopping!
3: Thank you so much. Oh, my kids are gonna be delighted. My son was looking up Smith today and he has a spent out
2: there. <laughs> you know Christmas. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas! We've just given away 10K. With your local credit union helping you have a wonderful Christmas. Stay listening for the next big way to win. I will
3: never sing okay.
2: Only on Corks 96 FM. <laughs> the lines are live. Oh,
3: hello. Join the
2: conversation
3: Call 0818 96 96, 96.
2: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96, 96
3: Email Opinion at 96fm.ie
2: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Watch 96
5: FM Right, we've a couple of We've eight shows left, well seven and an hour left uh, before the Christmas break. We finish up for the Christmas break this year on the 22nd of December which is uh, Friday week and before that we want to talk to people who are overseas Corkonians abroad you know we love to do it uh, during the course of the year we've caught up with, with quite a number and they've told us their stories about being abroad and how they came to be there and what Christmas might be like there as we got closer to the festive season so now we're going to catch up on people who are away for Christmas so if you know someone who's away and you'd like us to catch up with them then we'd love to talk to them um, send us an email to uh, PJ or to Opinion rather at 96fm.ie Opinion at 96fm.ie and we can um, we can catch up with them uh, towards the end of next week and if you're listening to us overseas and I'm speaking now to the people who pick us up on podcast, or the people who pick us up on the overnight repeat at between 3 and 5 a.m., which is broadcast in the daytime in Australia, for example, or New Zealand or anywhere like that, or Ch- China or Thailand or whatever, um, we would like to talk to you. So opinion at 96fm.ie is the easiest and the best way to do that. So if you'd like to catch up or we like, want us to catch up with our Corconian somewhere it doesn't matter where they are it doesn't matter if they're on the moon we'll, we'll, we'll get to them uh, next week so opinion at 96 ie send us a message and uh, we're from this end if you want to catch up with someone who's overseas and if you're overseas if you feel like catching up and sending greetings to the loved ones back home and we'll do that before the end of next week oh, probably on the last day uh, the 22nd of December also something else I want to do that day is I want to compile the most comprehensive list we've ever done of people who will be working on Christmas Day. And, of course, look, obviously, it's guards and it's nurses and it's doctors and it's firefighters and it's ambulance workers, it's paramedics, it's, it's farmers, it's people in the waterworks. It's, it's that kind of thing. We want to compile the most comprehensive list, social workers, the most comprehensive list ever of people who will be working on Christmas Day. And we'll try, as we might, as best we can, to name them all out on the 22nd of December so if you will be working on Christmas Day or if you know anybody who will be working on Christmas Day that we might not think of we think of the obvious there's maybe 10 or 15 or 20 categories that are obvious like the lifeboats will be on call Christmas Day the lighthouses that are manned will be manned on Christmas Day all that kind of thing but anybody we might not think of who will be working Christmas Day um, you can send those to me pj at 96fm.ie just put into the subject window just put in working at Christmas and we get to them alright that's a bit of fun for you and we'll remind you again and again and again over the next week of that 0818969696 oh, I have a couple more of your uh, disasters Christmas dinner disasters and send them in to me at 0833969696 because today we're sending two families to see the panto at the everyman uh, the Beauty and the Beast, which runs until the 14th of January. We're going to send two families on Friday 29th ninth December at half past one to the matinee. But before that, we're sending you to brunch at Greenwich Cafe in Caroline Street. And uh, your Christmas dinner disaster. We get to a whole bunch of them, all right? Get to them before we finish up today. 0818 96 96 96. I know it's a lot to take in, but you know yourself. You'd be grand. You'd be grand. Jane and Dennis... Kevin says opinion line meets Scylla black. <laughs> you go way out of that. Delighted she found Dennis' lovely story. Fingers crossed for them. I love Jane's happy laugh, says Catherine. God knows, Catherine, it might be a happier laugh again come Sunday. But stop. 0818 96, 96 96 And we will definitely catch up with them again after the weekend. Now, you'll have noticed if you're following it in the news and on the papers, COP28 finished or is finishing today and they've they've made an agreement as they always were going to and uh, they're going to cut down on the use of fossil fuels and try to phase them out and, and all of that look uh, the, the, you've been following it we've had no choice but the last couple of weeks and it's in the context of that I want to talk to Claire. Claire lives in the west of Ireland in a rural area but you were, a couple of weeks ago we were chatting about this this survey that Deal did where they found that the cost of running an electric vehicle, an EV, had come way down and that people who switched to a, an electric vehicle were pleasantly surprised at the way the costs of motoring had come down and we were talking as well with Ger Herbert from The Independent about that survey and about how cheap it can be to run an electric car in 2023. All that because, you know, we are moving inexorably towards all electric or mostly electric cars over the next, God knows how many years ahead of us. And that's in the context of the COP, where they want us to cut down on fossil fuels, cut them out if we can, but cut down on them at least over the years to come. Now, Claire, that done deal survey found that it's becoming much cheaper to run an electric vehicle well I think what you've been discovering is maybe not quite as simple as that morning hi good
13: morning PJ I I bought my EV second hand and it had become more affordable I thought now was the time to change um and, uh, you know, I figured EVs had been around for a while and, you know, the system should work. But unfortunately, the people I booked to um, equip me with my own home charger, they went into receivership. So having paid out, uh, got to $1,300 up front, I didn't get anything from them. So I was left for seven weeks having to grapple with the, the public system, uh, you know, uh, either charging with an ordinary three pin plug on my domestic uh, plugs here, which took eighteen hours. Nice at home, yeah, yeah, and and you know that's all very well when you're in your own house and you can plug into your own electricity bill, but you know you go visiting family and they're yeah, <laughs> they're mm-hmm. beginning to maybe look askance at the arriving, you know. So. um I, I then was I was faced with finding chargers around the area and the variety of possibility was mind-boggling and not all of it available to me so the yeah. plugs and sockets aren't all compatible with my car there's a, a variety of speed of chargers so you could be standing around for 45 minutes an hour and get maybe 7-8% of your battery charged which allows you to limp on maybe to the next town you know Um Some of them then are high speed. They work well, but often you would turn up somewhere and it would be occupied. Mm
5: -hmm. Um, Those of us who drive or have driven mm, petrol and diesel mm, for years, mm, we're used to just stopping in the garage. I mean, you have to fill the car and you're gone again. In the electric world, things are different.
13: Very different, yeah. Yeah, I... um, I had the experience. I, just, I needed to. I normally would take a train to Dublin when, uh, or use public transport when I can. I was just faced with needing to transport something that was too cumbersome to take on the train. So I thought, I'll just see what happens. I knew I had enough range to get me to Dublin and probably back out again. But because the temperature was low, the charge fell more quickly than I'd anticipated and wasn't going to make it back to Enville to the fast charger there. Mm. So I stopped off at Manoos. And, and there was a whole rigmarole there with chargers not working as fast as they should. Um, um, oh. And the ESB also have a... They have an overstay charge. If you charge for longer than 45 minutes, you get a, a penalty charge of 8 euro, right. I, I believe. Yeah. And
5: how so much does it cost to charge up from, say, what? In the public? Flat to yeah.
13: 50%. Basically, I... I I worked it out to be very similar to, to petrol or diesel. It's no, certainly no cheaper. And then, depending, it varies. All all the the, the, the charges are different depending on the charger you're using and who's providing it. The yeah. rates vary. Yeah. So you you know I couldn't give you a single answer okay. to that question. It, it's complicated.
1: Yeah.
5: It takes. Um, and the time is hmm. different, and the level of charge you get for that time is different, and the cost is different. Yeah.
13: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, you know, ESB ESB have a network, so you get yourself an ESB app on your phone, you get yourself a charge card, and they may or may not work. There's a helpline, you might be waiting for that helpline if it's not working. Um, Then the other thing is, you know, first of all, I was naive enough to think that all of the chargers I saw in public spaces would be available to me, but they're not. So that's the start of it, but then you go and you find you say, "Oh, there's a charger in the supermarket car park. Great, I can charge while I'm shopping." And then you go there and you realise, "Oh, I have another app to download, another card to send off for." Like there's every private entity that has a charger in their car park, they've gone with a different company to supply that. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I, I stopped, I stopped short of, of downloading. I think a third or a fourth app, you yeah. know. Um, just, and thankfully, eventually, I got my home charger installed, and it's 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 fantastic.
5: I understand yeah. it is very cheap to charge yeah, overnight. It is.
13: it is. It absolutely is. It's like down with Energia, um, which I moved to Energia because they offer the, the, a four-hour window uh, to do the charging. So I could fully charge the car for about a fiver. I That's think, pretty like good. That. It is, yeah, that's, that's 280 kilometres for fibre. That's,
5: five that's pretty five. good in any man's language, what says you, that's, is, that's at yes. home. And you're out of pocket because Smart Zone ran yeah. into trouble. Yes, so I don't
13: know where that stands. Yeah. I, the well, according paper, to the, so, the Irish
5: Independent, there's mm. engagement going on between them and, and Electric Ireland, so possibly best to let yeah. that one develop as it does, and hopefully something yeah. will be done for all the people like yourself yeah. who were who were caught up, but I think the message you wanted to get across, Claire, is look, it's all very fine to say that it's cheap to charge at home, and indeed it is, but in owning an EV, Mm -hmm. in a country area where you are, there are a lot Mm -hmm. of things that you won't notice until you actually Mm -hmm. pick up the car.
13: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And I, I, you know, I have been stopped at chargers by people who are thinking of it and, you know, like pinned to the wall with questions, because it's actually hard it's hard to do uh, the whole, the, to get the whole picture before you actually experience it, you know.
5: Mm-hmm.
13: yeah.
5: I suppose we'll all end up driving electrics very, very soon. That's the way of the well, world.
13: Yeah, it, it, it's looking that way. We're going to have to stop with the fossil fuels anyway.
5: Mm. But you're you, you're 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 out there as the explorer ahead of us all.
13: Yes, I think I am.
5: <laughs> and it's, a, it's I think a,
13: it was a bit premature, but uh, it's, you know, a, bumpy, I'm there it's now. a bumpy
5: road, yeah. Claire, and that's what yeah, you yeah, want to yeah, tell. Yeah. It's a bumpy old road. Exactly. Good to speak with you. Well, thank you very much.
13: Yeah, all the best, PJ. Thanks.
5: You're welcome, and thank you, Claire. Yeah, it, it's it's not as straightforward as as they'd have you think. Like that, three apps on your phone, and you pull up to a charger. I don't know, will the charger fit your car? Do you have an app for it? What the cost of it is? And how long it's going to take? And these are the things they don't tell you. Um, that story of the company that went uh, went bust is smart Zone. Now, what was happening was you would pay them 1,300 quid for the home charging point. And then they would come and put that in and you would pay them and then you would claim back the grant. I think the grant is about 600 But you get back for that. So then SmartZone, they're either gone into receivership or something like that. Yeah, receivership. So lots and lots of people have been affected by this. People who've paid SmartZone 1,300 euro to put in the home charging point. That now hasn't been installed. And as she said, you can plug it in with a lead like a kettle, but it'll take you all day. And, and you're stuck charging... In the Public or private charging points, and you'll be paying a lot of money. So, hopefully, that'll get sorted. I know that, again, according to the uh, independent Electric Ireland, has said it will engage with Smart Zone and the receiver to understand how impacted. Customers might be accommodated because you've got people who've, who've put money into this. That's one to watch because I know a lot of people around Cork and smart zone was based in Cork have been caught up in that one. 0818969696. 96 96. On your Christmas dinner disasters, Jerry says, we're grandparents. We used to cook a full Irish breakfast for eight people on Christmas morning. Is there a nicer Irish breakfast in the whole year? No, there isn't. A few years ago, we also took on the job of cooking the turkey for our daughter, her partner and five grandchildren including two sets of twins and a boy all under six it was a way of making life easier for them we were going to drop it down to them in y'all, but breakfast went very well the oven worked fine but before we even left we put the turkey in the oven and then an hour and a half in the oven conked out we had to grab the turkey wrap it in tin foil put it in the boot of the car and drive like the hammers to y'all. On the way, we phoned and tell them, heat up the oven. We arrived, nearly beat down the door, hammered the turkey into the oven and came home. Decided to cook our own turkey then another time. We were so exhausted. We just had nibbles and a few glasses of wine and chilled out. (laughs) That's, That's from Jerry. I love those stories. Everyone's got one. Everyone's got a day that it went just a little bit pear-shaped. Marie, we noticed our mom wasn't eating her Christmas dinner, and we're a family with big appetites. Turns out that when she was preparing the goose, a pile of oat feed had come out. Oh, stop. Eh. Uh, eh. Uh. 0818 96 96 96.
3: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM Merry Christmas With your local mace Great value deals for family and friends this Christmas
4: Question 10 Who is the CEO
2: of the Boring Company? Oh I don't know uh, Give a guess Elon Musk. season three everything Good round
13: Sun, How are you feeling solid. after that, Niall? Uh,
2: that's that boring company there, I don't
3: think I have that one. I've never even heard of the boring company. One of the things they do is they make a flamethrower,
4: and I think if you saw the Joe Rogan podcast, you would have seen Elon Musk with a flamethrower.
2: You just won 2,000 euros! Boom! Oh yeah! I'm yeah. 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 yeah.
1: What a guess indeed! Easy, <laughs> everything, like. 2,000 euro going to Middleton. Well done, you! Thanks. thanks very much.
3: Yeah,
2: the two grand minute.
3: I'm getting money. Listen to play at 740 and 840 every day.
2: Lorraine and Ross in the morning.
3: <laughs> the money.
2: On Corks 96 FM. Join the
3: conversation!
2: 641 083 396 96, 96 This is The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM.
5: Okay, we well, were getting some calls earlier in the morning from listeners down around Clonakilty Way who told us that there was an area cordoned off in Clon. And could we find out a bit more? What well, we have done, we've got this in from the guards. They are investigating an assault at Sand Key, Clonakilty last night, around half eleven. They responded to reports of an assaulted man and they attended the scene the man who's in his 20s was brought to CUH, his injuries non-life-threatening. Uh, another man in his 30s was arrested. He's currently being held uh, by Gaddy and West Cork under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act, etc., etc. The scene is preserved and there's a technical examination being conducted. Investigation is ongoing. So, yes, there was an incident in Clan last night. That's where the area is... Is closed off around Sand Key. O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now the term ghost bus no just ghost bus, not ghost buster. Ghost bus has, has kinda of come into common usage over the last couple of months and we're wondering what the hell is a ghost bus. Then we're told that Bus Aaron is now telling its drivers in Cork to skip stops to save time which invariably leads to people being left behind. Uh, All of these problems at a time when they're telling us to use the bus more. The powers that be are telling us, use more public transport. Get the bus. I came to get the bus to town this evening, into town this evening for an event, and the bus will get me in, but will it get me home? Between ghost buses and buses passing bus stops and leaving people at the bus stop, it's not the best incentive ever to actually use the flipping bus, is it? Labour councillor John Maher's following this because you've had one or two constituents don't you. You were stuck at a bus stop with an elderly neighbour, was it recently, John? Good morning.
8: Good, good morning, PJ. PJ, do you know what? I was there so long, though, I kind of felt like Forrest Gump with the amount of characters that went um, and, and waited and then left again for the bus and the stories that... We, we, we kind of got engaged in. Such was the wait. Um, you know, it was two hours plus. Um, now, you might ask, you might ask, what in the hell were you doing waiting for two hours? But such was the characters that came along. What bus were you uh,
5: waiting for, John?
8: Uh, the 207. The 207, PJ. But I, I suppose, and you, you know better than anyone now, the minute you start talking about buses, it's the 214, it's the 218, it's 207, it's the 202, it's the 220, it's the 216. The list goes on. And, and, and when I put up my, when I put up the post, um you know, you got that straight away. The two oh three is another one, like I mean, and, and, and the stories and the messages and the mails that came after it, you know, were consistent across the city. And I suppose my frustration is is that when we bring it up from a council perspective, it's it is the heads in the sand. Um, you know, I can I can genuinely say that now, um, is that the heads are in the sand because we're told that bus connects will, will uh, is going to sort some of the problems. But I'd, I'm a fan of Bus Connects, but I have a fierce reservation when we can't maintain our existing services, mm-hmm. and we're talking about new ones. And I really do, and, and, and again, and I'm directing this at, at Bus Air and Management. Um, you know, they came to speak to us uh, following uh, a motion from myself, but I'm there now four and a half years, and it was the first time that elected members were, were, were presented to by Bus Air and Management. Um, and I would consider us a, um, a significant stakeholder in the bus operation. When you see the money that us as a council are putting in to improve on bus corridors mm-hmm. and redirecting traffic. And the idea then that we, as elected members, and I know I'll probably get the line now, we spoke with management, but I, that's not good enough. The elected members are the people that represent the ordinary people. Mm-hmm. And I'm very fortunate, PJ, when I use the bus... I'm never under pressure to be somewhere. I'm late for a pint. I'm late to meet somebody. I'm late to go shopping. It's the most, you know, the people that need the bus are people. They need to get to hospital appointments. They need to get to school. They need to get to work where an employer isn't as Mm forgiven if you're 20 minutes late. And John, at a
5: time when we're being told, use public transport, leave the car at home, drop the fossil fuel or use, you know, use less of it the bus services and i'm like the the let's go through two things that have become obvious have come into parlance this year what the hell is a ghost bus explain that to me
8: well i suppose <laughs> a ghost bus is the one that just disappears you know and and, and again i suppose you know we're told and um, we're told that and um, you know the, we're told that you know buses are under pressure etc but when I stood on the road for two hours there wasn't one sorry, with the exception of one bus that drove past and stopped to tell us at the bus stop it was out of service. No, I'd I'd ask and again I'm directing this at management, is that surely they should be advising the drivers that even if you're in Land, there's only one place that bus is going to, and it's through the city to the depot. Then surely the God you could get the people into the city at least. Mm. But mm. for two hours plus there was no two o seven bus in Ballivor,
11: mm-hmm.
8: and I and I know I know. There's many constituents contact me about the two one four, and you know in particular, and um, mm. they're the ones that that jump out at me the 207, and yeah. um, you know for the area. But 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 again, it, it's it's across the board. But the bus doesn't show.
5: Well, well, and as you know, that Cork has 25 regular bus routes, and that the National Transport Authority. Uh, insists on minimum standards of performance on those routes, and uh, accordingly, this year only six of those routes have hit the minimum standards up to the middle of 2023. But that's not good enough.
8: Well, well, look, PJ. You know the job the job that pays the bills for me. I'm a sales rep, and I'm KPI'd every quarter. And if I was only reaching that percentage of my KPIs, I'd be dragged in over the the calls, and I'd be asked to explain what's happening. Yeah. And that's now where I would I would say as well is that stop hiding behind bus connects. The existing services aren't um, they're not they're not they're not functioning. You know, and then you know again you brought up the NTA PJ. You you were away when I was last on, and I spoke to Joe and. You know, we had no buses for the jazz. We have no late-night buses for Christmas. And it's the NTA making these decisions yeah. And I'm really frustrated that, again, we bring it up with the limited powers that we have in council. And, I, uh, you know, I'm aware of that. But when we bring the people that do have the powers and when we do ask them, and then we're, with the jazz, I was ignored. Um, and then for Christmas, I did get an answer, but it was a, you know, it was a PFO um, in a nice way. Yeah. But that's the point. And these are the people... That are running. So, so my point is, is that well, it's the bus error management I directed at. Either call out the NTA or the NTA call out bus errands. But, but, but the reason for that is because it's ordinary people that are left on the side of the road.
5: Mm-hmm. You've been uh, tweeting a lot lately, John, on on a, on a separate matter, but now connected as well. And, and I drive in in the morning and I see it as a, as I come up the centre of Bridge Street there to head up. Towards Broadcasting House, the two buses going up the two sides. It seems to be working. The new uh, bus routes up around Bridge Street and, and McCurton Street, but people are still parking in the bus stops.
8: Uh, PJ, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm like the it's like Groundhog Day when I speak about this because you know I, I I love the area. It's uh, it's where I, I have a bit of grub and I swear I have a pint. Um, you know, and it's where I swear I actually my first job and I, I I I'm very fond of it. I'm delighted. That the money that's gone into it is, is it really has improved, but the problem is is that enforcement and that's enforcement from city city council's perspective, um, and it's enforcement from the guards' perspective. And the lack of discipline around the street is really frustrating. And it, and, and, and you know it's kind of you know it, it's it's silly because if you're going to tell us we don't have money to pay for staff, then it's actually self-financed. Such is the level of um, of disobedience or or up yours from people. You know, it is that bad. I mean, I I walked past last Saturday. Um, I saw Gardy on foot. I didn't see one ticket. Um, you know, and this is all part of moving the buses again. You know, so so City Hall are delivering from our side. Mm. We're in, we're improving. Um, the the bus corridors which is important and PJ again if we go back to the buses just ever so slightly in enforcement there's a Patrick Street ban between three and half six that isn't non-existent it's embarrassing and then that's another point of we're trying to improve the the, the buses but yes they're stuck in Patrick Street um, without you know with with no enforcement Um, and again if I the the answer we got back no, we have increased the budget slightly um, but the, the, the answer we get back is money, but this is self-financing. You know, I, I counted 50, 60 cars coming from, um, from Devonshire Street, Hadwick Street, Leitrim Street, McCurtain Street, Wellington Road, Patrick's Quay, um, and that wasn't scientific. That was just going along, saying one, two, three, you know. Yeah. I'd say if we spent a lot of time there, there's a lot of money to be made, you know, in, in enforcing the law. Yeah. Um, and that's the point. This is the law. It's the streetscape. We go on about... We're creating tomorrow's problems. Um, next next month, I'll be on to you. The new footpaths are destroyed. They're caught up. They're broke up. Yeah. You know how we want to fix the people them. People parking and, you know. on them. Yeah, people parking on them. And you know, it. it is frustrating that no matter how many times we flag it, it will come up again next Monday night at the Roads and Transportation SBC. Um, but I do believe that um, it's time to change our tact, you know. Okay. Enforcement needs to be stronger. Um, but for everybody, you know, yeah. for people that are using the bus, for people that want to use a street and any street in Cork, not just McCurtain Street. You know, we have plenty of other streets and, and outside dining and to enjoy that experience you don't need a car maybe just running idly behind you waiting on a, a, a takeout. So as you're eating your, your 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 grub you've got the fumes going in. Yeah. And, and you don't need you don't need the space that was that's been given to the public to ordinary people people mm-hmm. you know you mm-hmm. or, or disabled it. or able to people with buggies you know that's the whole streetscape to, to, to better that experience and we've done it it is it is a lovely place to go but we need to stop it being overrun by
5: cars okay okay lastly John let me come back to something that you and I oh first of all uh, John is right says this comment three buses One after the other at 5.30 in Ballancolic recently. And so people are probably waiting around for two hours for that. And then three come together. It's the old story. Let me lastly come back to something. I um, I know I'm being very mischievous here um, because people thought I'd given up on it. We didn't get a, a Christmas light switch on event this year. And I know you were on this one earlier on. And there was a bit of pressure coming on to see if the manager or the chief executive could deliver to the council in writing. In writing where she was told it was not safe. Any sign of that risk assessment coming forward, John?
8: There, there, there isn't, PJ. But there is a meeting planned for early January, and we were told it will be. It would be. We all will be discussed then and presented, etc. Um,
9: but because,
8: I, I brought it up last Monday at to the JPC. Um, at, at a JPC Monday week, my apologies, PJ. Monday week, and there was kind of you know the guards were there, and um, they kind of looked at the the, the chief executive. Um, and then the motion, a motion went in, um, co-signed by um, Councillor Kenneth Collins, Mick Nugent and myself again, and we're, we're led to believe that there will be uh, a meeting on January um, to discuss it because I'll be honest whether I'm in there or not in the next council term. This is something that I won't be giving up on. I think it's a missed opportunity. And mm-hmm. um, I think I think we can we've we reimagined so much.
5: Yeah. And and the chief executive was insistent and her office and those people around her were insistent that they were told it wasn't safe to hold an event. Well, if that is the case, then that exists that advice exists uh, somewhere in no, writing. No, just, and and the, we're entitled and I to I see trust, it.
8: Uh, no, no, and I would trust that we will get it in due course. I, mm-hmm. you know, and it hasn't gone away. It, it's Christmas week, um, you know, it, or, and it was Christmas fortnight when you when you go back to two weeks ago, um, and I suppose we I'm behind the, the, the city experience as it's presented now, mm. but I think next year um, it has to be different, mm-hmm. you know. I think the idea that we don't even have stalls in the city yeah. centre this week is a massive yeah. massive loss and every place is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And, I, you know, I actually went on the big read, this, the, the Ferris wheel with my, my nephew this week. Again, and just, I don't get why we didn't have the the stalls. So there's loads of questions there, PJ, but it is, it is two to the fore. And I know by my colleagues, regardless of what party is that it will be something that will be discussed early January, right. and it will not let slip aside okay. uh, for 2024.
5: Cheers. Alright, John, thank you. People thought we'd left it go here at the programme as well. No, not letting this one go. 0818 96 96, Labour Party Councillor John Maher. The buses are a mess. The buses, by all accounts, by everybody's accounts, the buses are a mess. I'm coming into town this evening for a, a small little seasonal event, shall we say. And I'm a bit nervous about the bus. I, I actually am rather nervous about the bus. Will it, it'll get me in, but will it get me home? We've got our two winners. we get get them in a little while. PJ, they've totally ruined traffic flow through Douglas. It's gridlock every day. You'll see a 206 going towards Grange. It's supposed to turn around and come back. Well, very often it doesn't and just goes into town on the link... You're often left waiting well over an hour for a bus that's supposed to come every 15 minutes. Very frustrating. I've been late for work a few times, says Nathan. Took an hour for my child to get home yesterday from Cathedral Road bus stop by Wolf Town Street. Two buses passed. This is the 202. That's from Carr And the biggest problem to get bus drivers is the wage. They won't pay it, so the drivers won't come. Also, if a driver is sick at Bus errand, that bus will be a ghost bus. It won't run for the day they don't have anyone to cover it. I'm a local coach driver for, for a private company and thank you for that Yeah, the Cork Bio did a piece recently on recruitment of bus drivers and the starting wage the starting wage for a bus driver for a five day week is in or around 700 euro um, about 20 quid an hour while you're driving the bus, around 700 euro is the starting wage there's a pension there's a family GP scheme they have travel concessions Employee assistance, clubs, and they have their own club and stuff like that, subsidized so canteen. But the starting wage for a bus driver in Cork is about 700 quid a week, and it works, it goes up, it goes up uh, over a period of time. But the, the starting wage is about 700 quid a week. Thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96.
2: Join the conversation.
3: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
5: This is The Opinion line
2: with PJ Coogan. Corks 96
5: FM. Yeah, remind you that before we finish up next week, we want to talk to lots of Cork people overseas, particularly ones who can't be home for Christmas. So if you know someone who is away and might like to talk to us, let us know at opinion at 96fm.ie or if you are away and won't be able to get back and you'd like to uh, talk to us, then opinion at 96fm.ie from wherever you are in the world and we will do the rest. Simple as that. Get them into us over the next few days. 0818 96 96 96. As usual, we've had quite a few stories this morning. Uh, today we were looking for your Christmas dinner Disasters. Emily is in West Cork. Morning, Emily. Morning, how are you? Good. What happened?
11: Um, we were actually we had um the meeting inside in the oven and I said, You know what? I said, So we may as well just go over and out to my parents' place, leave the kids see them and whatever and by the time we come back the meet will be done. Yeah. So we were actually on the way back, and we ended up having um a car accident. Oh no. So Didn't get home for, no, we weren't injured or anything, thank God, but by the time, you know, we had to wait for the guards to come and whatever. We got home three and a half hours later, and the bacon and the turkey were absolutely decinerated inside the oven. It took me a week to get the smell of burn out of the house. It was an absolute nightmare.
5: Oh, no, and there you were, setting out to come home, hungry for the dinner. And then,
11: starving. Then the accident starving, and that and, and yeah.
5: insult injury. Then you open the door and the turkey. Oh, God. and
11: yeah, and smoke all over the kitchen and. Oh
5: God, so you're lucky you didn't go on fire, is
11: Oh well, do you know what? Anything that was hurt the tin foil was even wreck at that said
5: God,
11: that was the end of that.
5: <laughs> that was the end of that. What did you have for the dinner? Sandwiches.
11: We ended up actually just going back over to my parents. Wow, <laughs> why not? So God. they were kind of like. We just got rid of you in
5: your <laughs> Come here, you'll be avoiding stress over the Christmas, will you? Sorry. You're avoiding stress. You have a baby on the way.
11: Yeah, um, in about four weeks.
5: All right. Well, listen. You. Good luck with that. Um, I think that um, we can send you along for that story and there'll be no danger of the grub being burnt down at Greenwich (laughs) Cafe. So you can have brunch on us for four people at Greenwich Cafe and then go see Beauty and the Beast on the 29th of December, the matinee performance at the Everman. Would you like that?
11: Oh, brilliant. They'd be delighted. Thanks very much.
5: (laughs) If, by the way, the Maybe we should arrive early, then we can upscuttle those plans again, but we just, uh, no, but That won't be happening, there is very clear instructions. Very clear instructions. <laughs>
11: until after Christmas.
5: Nullig or Carol, I suppose, who be the names.
11: Oh, I know what the joys of it. Or
5: Jesus!
11: <laughs> yeah, that would be more like it, no worries.
5: Emily, happy Christmas and enjoy the panto and the day out. Right, Christine's in Carrigaline. I remembered this uh, Christine, 1997 I woke up that morning, I was living in Carrigline there was somebody's satellite dish in my garden and it wasn't mine, good morning
14: <laughs> Good morning CJ, how are you?
5: Very well, I remember it well, what happened to you?
14: Oh god, well um, so I'm from Ballingholic so I can remember waking up during the night and you know running into mum and dad's bed, I was quite young at the time and just being petrified And we ended up then, um, you know, the way you panic, like, what's going to happen for Christmas dinner? So, obviously, um, we had no electricity. And my nan, um, at the time, no, God rest her soul, she had one of those big agar cookers that was run on fuel. So, it was a case of, right, we'll go to nan's house. And my dad is one of 13. So, can you imagine the whole lot of us now going into her house and Pauly Duffield? (laughs) 13! Yeah. (laughs) So between the partners, the wives, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, I can just remember there was, um, you know, there was like a, oh my God, it was like a military operation. There was like a seating of food and then there was the next lot of people. And do you remember the the, the plates? It's etched in my mind. The blue plates, um, they were like blue and white kind of crockery design. Yeah. I can remember just looking at that plate and looking at the food and kind of thinking, this isn't my mum's dinner. Like This isn't Christmas.
5: <laughs> but there must have been a hundred people. <laughs>
14: Oh my God. I can just remember it was a conveyor belt. Oh God, almighty. Oh it was just carnage. Absolute carnage. But it was great crack. Um Cause, you know, like it was all the, the chaos and everyone giving out, and my aunt and then just pottering around doing you know her own little thing. Anybody want more spuds when you're in yeah? No,
5: nobody <laughs> nobody had power that day. I remember poor old yeah. Barry O'Mahony in the newsroom was on duty that day, and he went home and he had to dig out the barbecue and do a bit of salmon on it. That's oh, awesome. yeah. <laughs> 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 the gas barbecue, Christine. We're going to send you off. To the Panto, on the 29th Thank of December you. for the matinee. And you'll go for brunch before four of you. not no, don't bring the whole hundred, right? Four of, <laughs> four of you to Greenwich Cafe in Caroline Street Thank for you brunch. So You're our winners today. Listen, thanks very much for that. What a crowd, Christine. So there's Christine and Emily, our two winners today. We'll do it again tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, I think I'm sending you to Sano Cork. But more, but more of that in the morning. I think that's about the size of it. It is indeed. Programme edited by Imra Hay, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. Thank you for all of your uh, conversations during the morning. We'll put our podcasts up ASAP and we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine.
3: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. With your local mace, amazing value sure to make you smile this Christmas.